New year, new channel, same dynamic duo here on a Wednesday night on Wrestling Inc. That's right. It is Wednesday night, AEW Dynamite Review Podcast coming to you live on TBS in 2022. But I am still Justin Labar. He is still This Is Nasty, Alfred Kunua from Forbes.com. And we're happy you are joining us. And we still have our wonderful presenting sponsor, Manscaped, who we got to give a lot of love to here in the new year. But first of all, First things first, just pleasantries. Alfred, Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you, too, uh, JLB. It's a wild start to this new year, as I'm sure we're going to get into. But all things considered, uh, it's, everything's going fine. I'm glad to go into 2022. Everything feels good. New Year's resolution still intact. So uh, everything is good for now. And uh, I think a new year, new me is, is going to serve me very well this year. Will you dish? What's the New Year's resolution? Oh, just, you know, stuff here and there. A lot of small stuff. Uh, you know, uh, one of them is uh, some metrics goals for my YouTube channel and whatnot that I'm not going to divulge at this moment. But but a lot of other stuff, just like small, of course, the working out stuff, but specific workout goals that I'd like because I work out anyway. But I want to set more standards for how uh, well I do in 2022 in terms of the gym. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I thought any any goal to you know increase that portfolio, maybe maybe get a run at some WWE property. Maybe I mean I I mean it seems like it seems, it seems like they're having a garage sale. So I mean you might be able to like yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll start my own promotion. That's another one. We're gonna add that to the New Year's resolution list. You might be able to buy some equipment, some gym equipment off of there for the yeah. performance center. Absolutely. Yeah. I might be able to buy the performance center itself at this point. <laughs> oh, that's a tease. We will get to that in the news stories if you uh. Again, if you're joining us and you know I've been disconnected from the world uh, today on Wednesday, or if you're listening to this on Thursday, if you've been a little disconnected, haven't got to follow Wrestling Inc. and follow either of our Twitter, and you're not sure what's going on, stay tuned. In a few minutes, we will get to some news headlines, much of it coming out of the world of WWE, specifically NXT, and it just keeps getting uglier. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, again, thanks to everybody who is uh, coming on, finding their place, joining us live here on YouTube or Twitch. We appreciate it and all the love and support you give the Wrestling Inc. channels. Or, if you're, again, if you're just doing the audio-only version after the fact, well, I can't say I blame you. It's still entertaining, uh, all that is. And, again, thanks to Manscaped. we got some new stuff to tell you about them here in a little bit. Uh, let's go into some news headlines, though. Again, all of this from WrestlingInc.com. You can read about it all. Uh, let's start with the day one pay-per-view that was this past saturday uh first time ever alfred the wwe kicks off the new year with a with a pay-per-view much less a saturday pay-per-view in day one of course they've been fighting like the rest of uh, the world especially uh you know here in the u.s fighting um the, the very widespread uh, omicron covid variant and that has uh, wreaked havoc with some of their plans and their shuffling most notably roman reigns having to sit out as he has tested positive for COVID-19. So it shook the pay-per-view situation up. We ended up getting a fatal five-way. Of course, we know now Brock Lesnar won that match, is the WWE champion, took it from Big E. But apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, um, in, a, in a Dave Meltzer report at Sports Illustrated, it, 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 it's apparently the plan was Big E wasn't going to win and retain it regardless. Uh, supposedly, according to Meltzer, that the plan was Seth Rollins actually was going to walk out as champion, and then through all the shuffling, they decided to go ahead with Brock. Uh, what do you make? Are you surprised? Because really, prior to um, the, the shuffling around here, prior to Brock entering the picture, Seth Rollins was last in my mind in terms of the possibilities of who would be walking out as champion. 
Me too. This was shocking to me that this was even considered that Seth Rollins was going to win the title. I, I felt like they were booking him specifically to lose because the subplot of this match was Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and the good old classic can they coexist storyline. And I just figured that implode and that would cancel them out. But I mean, the fact that even Seth Rollins is considered also, I, I just think the character is, I think, pretty cold right now. I know it's still in the main event and it's actually finally starting to catch a little momentum on Raw, but I really do feel that he's so far away from when he was at his peak as Seth Rollins as really whether he was a baby face or the whiny heel that he portrayed very well and the fact that they're considering him for uh, WWE champion at this time of year as we're headed into WrestleMania season is pretty shocking to me yeah it just yeah I, I echo all that I was so um and I misspoke I said like I said Meltzer of Sports Illustrated that's obviously not correct uh Meltzer of course with his uh in the Observer Newsletter but he so, did pen a, an article for Sports Illustrated though so oh, is that is that where I'm crossing might be okay. where it is yeah okay well maybe, okay maybe that maybe that explains what's in my mind of yeah. Meltzer and, Sports Illustrated. So, nonetheless, um, but 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 that all being said, uh, plans always change. It's ne- it's never official in pro wrestling until it happens on TV. Plans can always change. So, Brock Lesnar, of course, your champion. Uh, he's going to be defending against the long-awaited match of Bobby Lash at the Rumble. So, we'll be uh, we have several weeks to get ready for that. But I know I, I hope you're excited because I'm pumped for it. Like much as a, a thousand percent. I have just started to give up hope that you know maybe just not meant to be because this is like the longest holdout for a dream match, like you said. And now that it's happening, I mean. It's going to be great. I, I can't wait for it. So a lot there. And I, I believe I'll be on the post. I think I'll be on here post rumble on uh, that Saturday night. So we'll be able to talk about that. All you wonderful, loyal fans of the podcast. All right. Another news story. Though. Let's jump over to AEW here for a minute. A dream signing is coming to AEW soon. That's the headline. This coming from president, CEO, general manager, and head of creative. That's well, quite the business card. Tony Khan. He did an interview on the Z100 uh, uh, radio show in New York City, and he talked about a dream signing that's coming to AEW. Uh, He was basically asked by the host um, if there's any dream signings coming to AEW, and if so, if they're North American talent. And Khan responded, there is. They are in North America, and they're coming, and pretty soon, and it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. Uh, Obviously, start the speculation of who that could be. You have no shortage of a list. Of course, some notable names, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, uh, obviously uh, formerly known as Bray Wyatt, a lot of speculation. What's Johnny Gargano's situation uh, going on right now? So, you know, those are just two of the top names. Obviously, there's many more you can dive into. But, Alfred, when you read and, and or hear, rather, Tony Khan saying a dream signing that he that he's stoked about, uh, what 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 peaks your meter here? Keith Lee. I hope it's Keith Lee. That would be my dream. If he uh, potted up in AEW, I feel like his 90 days is coming up uh, pretty soon here. But uh, listen, this is another grand promise, which AEW has been up and down in terms of whether they tell you that they're going to sign somebody big like a Christian, which I thought that was a good payoff. But I guess a lot of people with the tagline of you'll outwork everyone, everybody got very grand with their expectations. Uh, And then now this, and I, I think CM Punk was the best build they ever did because it really wasn't that much of a build. They really didn't tell you anything. And it was conjured up among the fans and then there was a payoff which is good uh but uh we'll see in terms of him promising that there's going to be a dream signing everybody has different dreams as we saw you know uh, when he was teasing christian he was saying one of my favorite wrestlers yeah. which christian's a lot of people's favorite wrestlers christian's one of the greatest of all time but when he showed up when people thought of favorite wrestlers you think of a handful of people and i guess for some people christian wasn't on that list yeah that's one thing uh, you know we've 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 seen it over the past 15 years with pretty much every company but WWE, because obviously Vince is not ever vocal about, he's not doing interviews like this, he's never talking about talent coming in, uh, nor is any of the you know immediate lieutenants that report to him. 
but every other company, and you know, we saw this for years with TNA. Dixie Carter, unfortunately, became like a you know a, a jab. You know, oh, we just got Dixie because there would be so many times where it was this pump up of a big thing, and 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 very too often it was the hype succeed. You know, over over seated what the delivery was. We have to remember that too with Tony, and we've seen this. And sometimes Tony ends up having like an out of the nowhere, like oh my god, Sting's here. <laughs> or other times that is kind of like you know what the Christian situation was, where it got so big. I mean, people were speculating, you know, Kurt Angle and 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 what have you, and and Christian wasn't what people wanted. With Tony being such a passionate wrestling fan, you have to remember, like, you have to kind of put things in his context. This is a dream signing to him. What you know, dream to him can I mean? This is a guy who, who he's a hardcore wrestling fan, so yeah. certain things are dream to him that may not equate to uh, a, maybe a more mainstream scale, if you will. Um, who knows? You know, again, you know, Johnny Gargano could be a wrestling, you know, Johnny Wrestling could be something that he always dreamed of. Of oh, I'm gonna have a, if I'm gonna have a company one day, I want to get Johnny Wrestling. Keith Lee could be another one. I want to have a guy who's who, who's the look and size of Keith Lee that can move the way he does and also has his own charisma. Uh, yeah, maybe it's he sees a creative, you know, uh, genius and maybe untapped genius that never got fulfilled in a Wyndham or tunnel so or it's somebody comp- neither of them not neither of those three and it's somebody else who uh, again is a dream so we always have to kind of keep that in context with tony khan i mean i think he he had a comment the other day he said that uh he, he said other than i think he said jade cargo has the most dominant performance on tv since goldberg i think was something i'm paraphrasing oh, wow. <laughs> you know i mean I, it just so it depends on i guess what lens you want to look Right. We're going to learn a lot about Tony Khan's taste now. We're going to have enough of a sample size between his favorite wrestler and a dream signing. And maybe people will learn to either calibrate or win yeah. his trust in terms of when he makes these promises. I'll give him this. You know, in an age of you know, everybody wants, you know, I'll give him this. I, I give I give it to him that he's out there and that he speaks as much, that he tweets as much as he does. He does as much interviews as he does. It's going to cause him problems, as we recently saw. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, you're going to cause problems if you're that vocal, but I give him credit that he puts himself out there and does that because he could easily play the I'm way too busy card and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'll always, yeah. And I think he should be doing everything. And I mean, Twitter, he can put aside because Twitter, oftentimes you have such a small window to get your thoughts across and it's just a den of buzzards all the time waiting to explode. And if he would just put the Twitter down and get his thoughts out in, you know, more eloquent ways with these interviews and stuff like that, I think that would serve him very well. But I too like the fact that. It's a public-facing billionaire promoter. It's like it's weird because I feel like this is what Vince would be like on Twitter. The way he's kind of gotten very defensive and whatnot. I feel like Tony Khan is the fill-in for what Vince would have been because Vince's Twitter account is more or less, you know, WWE payroll people just kind of running it and yeah. retweeting and stuff. But I feel like this is a lot more of how he would be. What a great, you know, RJ City and I used to do this fun thing where we would like create tweets of thinking about like we do wrestling history if Twitter was around. We'd like we did like what the Twitter beef would be leading oh. up to like Mania three between Andre and Hogan and 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 Heenan would have a, a tweet and well and I always <laughs> think like imagine back before going public when WWF was still Vince's private you know mom and pop company he he, he ran all the show. he didn't have to answer to anybody. I always think like Attitude Era Vince private company no investors to answer to and imagine if twitter was a thing like <laughs> it'd be amazing i mean the 80s era entirely macho man randy savage take your pick like i mean i think we know what the warrior would be like on twitter but even that would be pretty wild <laughs> the, the the warrior the, the closest thing i can think of what warrior would be like in the 80s on twitter is like what uh iron chic is <laughs> it would be capital let it would be capital letters and just like you know, <laughs> rough interpretations. 
<laughs> and he's got Iron Chick's got a lit Twitter account. He does. He does. Um, we got a super chat here. Two dollars from Calypso. He, he goes, "Think Brody's debut got canceled after table spot." Uh, Calypso, well, obviously the table spot happened in the main event. Uh, ugly table spot of what happened with Luchasaurus and uh, Ray Phoenix. If you're referring to the, the the Brody King to come in and be with Black, I don't see how that would have happened. How or why that would have happened right after that table spot? I mean, obviously the table spot happens, and then you know we have new tag champs crowned, as we'll talk about. I don't see why that would have like I don't think you know they they, they even showed Malachi Black sitting up in a up you know in a seat somewhere, so it's not like he was on standby ready to do something with a, an yeah. incoming partner. To, I mean, so I don't quite know where you had there. I, I would maybe say like I thought maybe there might be a debut when lights went out with Malachi Black earlier in the night, which we'll get to, but uh, that did not happen. So. Uh, thank you for the $2, but not quite sure how you're piecing those two different segments of timelines together. All right, and uh, finally, our last news story, this will probably be the meatiest of the news stories to talk about here, is uh, a couple hours ago, really just things lighting up as we ended the the workday, as WWE has released um, more notable names, mostly not, re- there's, there's a few wrestlers that have been working in a coaching capacity, but uh, it's a lot of other key names, all pretty much linked to the Performance Center in the NXT world in Orlando. Um, try to run through as many as we can. Uh, Road Dog Brian James, who had been working, uh, f- you know, with NXT uh, for some time. Obviously, he was formerly a, a writer on the main roster for many years. He had then left that spot and kind of kept himself down with with his buddy Triple H in Florida doing uh, NXT stuff. Uh, he's been let go. Uh, Sarah Cummings uh, from the office. She was a senior VP of Consumer Products. Um, Dave Kapoor, uh, fans for on-screen purposes know him as Ranjan Singh, but Dave Kapoor was a, a head of creative writing for a very long time. Had been with the company for over 15 years, so he's been one who's had a lot of staying power. Uh, Hideki Suzuki, who had worked as uh, you know, on the Diamond Mind, uh, he's been gone. Timothy Thatcher, he's been working as a coach. Uh, he's gone. Danny Birch, same thing, had been working as a coach. He's gone. Uh, Kathy Carino, she was known uh, to wrestling fans as uh, Allison Danger. Uh, she had been working as a coach as well. Um, she's the, the younger sister of Steve Carino. Uh, Ryan Katz, who had been a huge creative force, he's gone. And probably the most surprising for my money, Alfred, William Regal cut. Now, obviously, Regal had the on-screen role as like the authority figure for NXT. Had, you know, Even that aside, it's William freaking Regal. Uh, I mean wisdom about everything well like can evaluate and scout talent very well i mean i've firsthand heard advice and, and wisdom he's given to people that one's the one that really shocked me the most quite frankly uh your reaction to this news of another sweeping round of cuts uh this time from the office in WWE. yeah particularly with nxt just hearing some of these names not only in nxt where they were very influential but guys like dave kapoor a lot of these people were in the fabric of wwe in eras past and i feel like this round of cuts just the names involved felt like it was done just as much for budgetary reasons as it was for cultural reasons in that this is a loud and clear signal that wwe continues to surge forward with nxt 2.0 but it's going to be under a completely different developmental philosophy because this also coincides sides with them launching the NIL, which is going to be more collegiate a- athletes coming in. And so it's not necessarily going to be a lot of these talents that we've seen in NXT for years. So, I mean, these sweeping changes are two of WWE's bigger stories coming to a head. It's one, what I believe is WWE shaving this company down for a sale and the budget cuts and releases that we're going to see all year. And two, WWE completely changing its philosophy when it comes to future stars. So it's, it's weird to see them kind of align in this way. 
yeah, let's not leave this conversation until we touch on the sale thing in a minute, but I'm going to get back to that in a second. Yeah, but I, I, you're right. Uh, I shouldn't be surprised, but yet I still am. But for all the reasons you said, I shouldn't be. Obviously, they're continuing to make cuts. That they, they are trying to um, trim the fat. Uh, and then, yeah, they are philosophically moving. I mean, obviously, it was somewhat some. It, it's very symbolic now. A night prior, Braun Breaker, you know, who kind of ushers in kind of a new era of NXT, so to speak, beating a, beating Champa, an old regime guy. Uh, but as Breaker makes his entrance, he kicks the black and gold X and breaks it. You know, so so it really rings uh, more powerful now. A day later, as we see these uh, releases happen. But you're right. You know, William Regal, as I said, great at scouting and evaluating talent, but he's great at scouting and evaluating talent of existing wrestlers. He's great at you, you can take him to an independent show and he can look at a guy and say, This guy's got a this guy's got it, or we need a little bit more, but this guy could have it, or this girl. Uh, but yeah, but if it's a if it's a different process of we're taking we're taking a a, a college football guy and, and we're gonna you know, you know, di- maybe different different eyes, different different people they want doing that and not William Regal, or they or they don't want him to be taught in a different way that William Regal wouldn't. Um yeah, you know, it's crazy that you know just twenty four months ago you know, maybe even a little bit longer, you know, Triple H would be on the calls with us and he'd openly talk about it and, and, and almost gush about the movement of, all right, we have NXT UK. We want to have an NXT Japan and an NXT Mexico. We want to have a performance center on every continent and an X amount of countries. Uh, you know, that that was the plan. And obviously the pandemic, of course, played a huge part in stopping that. But this is not just a pandemic thing. This is this is pandemic or not. Those plans have been halted for a reason. And yeah, now it is no longer that. Now it is almost like let's garage sale all that as i joked about earlier and you're right you know name image likeness you know next in line um let's boil it down and just get them ready for raw or smackdown none of this territorial small studio show nonsense i mean this is really a message being sent to the point of where it's like what's left to do other than (laughs) let triple h go yeah, I, I'm not I mean, that. you say that, but like the fact that Shawn Michaels was trending quite a bit, and I did legitimately start to get nervous at the just the way this names were released is so dramatic because you know it started with all due respect to Ryan Katz, only real hardcores know his contribution, but then it built to like William Regal, and it's like, okay, this is getting a little weird. Are we gonna see? Because I feel like if they were to let HBK go, it would be tantamount to like the biggest middle finger to Triple H. Yeah, this is um. One day, this is going to make a fascinating documentary or record-setting podcast episode. Um, you know, pick you know one of Conrad's or or, or Austin's going to get Triple A. I don't know. Yeah, it's, whatever's going on. I, I I mean, this I you know I feel like twenty two twenty two might be the most um you know altering shape of WWE years ever maybe since vince bought the company from his father or 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 since vince purchased wcw i don't know because it it might be the most intriguing story in all of wrestling and it's it's very succession like just this behind the scenes power grab between the mcmahons like this they need a reality show on this if they put this on peacock double your subscribers yeah yeah uh so you mentioned the sales obviously the sale is something that's been that's been a uh, for the past year, especially uh, when when these cuts have been aggressive and frequent, there's been that talk and that speculation of is that is that what they're doing? This certainly feels like that. Um, I think it was Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. Did you okay? Yeah. I, I I didn't want to like spur it on you if you hadn't seen it, but I, you saw it or you you, you read it. Um, so Freddie Prince Jr. obviously actor, former WWE writer, big wrestling fan. He's got a podcast now. Check it out if you if you haven't. Uh, but he was telling a story basically about how. Uh, talking to a, a an exec at Fox at once upon a time, 
that um, WWE was, according to this story, that WWE was trying to offer Fox to buy the company. And I guess Fox just, the number wasn't, you know, wasn't good for them. They didn't agree with it. So it ended up, that, you know, Fox just ended up just buying, obviously, the deal that we have now in place with SmackDown. Um, but that right there from a very inside, in the know at, at the time person, you know, basically kind of confirms what we've speculated, which is, you know, are they willing? Are they looking? And that, you know, kind of says it right there that they are. Now, again, I don't think Fox is necessarily the best. I think NBC makes the most sense. They already have so much invested with everything else, you know, peak with the, the library and with Raw and you know, mine will just get smacked down and be and be done with it. Um, but yeah, that, that that's huge. When, when Freddie Prince kind of just dropped that little nugget, uh, that that confirms all the speculation that it is a really real thing that's going on there. Absolutely. Now, and now might be the time to do it because of all the money that's going on with content deals. And I don't know. We're definitely in a bubble when it comes to television and what a lot of these properties are going for. And you look at a lot of these upstart companies that are looking to spend the money. We were talking, I was talking with Nick Hausman earlier today about the possibility he brought up Disney, which I think is a very real thing potentially because of the success that ESPN Plus has had building that network on the back of UFC. And if they can just get a WWE in and they definitely have the money for a WWE many times over and uh, think that they can increase their subscribers and revenue with WWE. I, I could see them making a bit as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. You guys talk about Disney. Cause like, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, um, you know, four or five years ago, I was on podcast. It was Mark Madden and I were talking and, and Mark actually said to me, he's like, you know, what if, what if, you know, if WWE ever, if, you know, if Vince is gone, you know, WWE might be best off selling. Cause you know, as, as good of a wrestling mind, triple H might be, you know, he doesn't have the boardroom credibility that Vince does and this and that. And I remember kind of really shooting it down. I was like, no way. I can't. I mean, this is a family company. It's never going to lead the family. And I said, maybe the only one I could ever see possibly ever buying WWE is like if like a Disney. Because I said, like, you know, Disney would appreciate the live event uh, power and production that WWE can do. And Disney knows live events. And so, you know, and that was before, obviously, the Fox deal. That's before uh, NBC and Peacock and whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think now we look going in 2022 or here in 2022. This, it's amazing the options of, of potential of what could happen with WWE, but yeah, they are just trimming every which way. And, uh, and still, you know, triple H remains largely silent. I know he did an interview, I think on a mainstream outlet this past week, talking, you know, pumping the, uh, INL uh, or NIL, excuse me, um, deal, but you know, obviously he stopped doing the media calls. He's been obviously not, you know, he's been recovering from you know, the health scare he had, but he's just, just kind of been quiet, which is just all the more scary is that we just want to, we want to hear his side of things. We want to hear his reaction. And just like based on how tight of a shit the McMahon's run in terms of the information that really gets out about them, like we're probably never going to get the full story. But God, this is a story that is so intriguing behind the scenes between Nick Khan and Triple H and just all these movable parts that we're just kind of seeing WWE transition very violently before our very eyes. If I was a good I'm the worst drawer artist in the world, if I could do uh, a political cartoon right now, it would be a big dinner table with Vince. Nick, uh, Nick Khan, Shane McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie, you know, maybe a few Absolutely. big names like Roman Reigns and John Cena. Uh, you can get Fiverr to do that. There's, there's the Rock FaceTime and saying, "Sorry, I can't make it for this dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me out of this." <laughs> What if The Rock bought WWE? What if The Rock had an investment he could, team together? You never know. He's, he's going to relaunch XFL. If he saves XFL, he can save WWE, and I think he'll start the, the wheels will start spinning in his brain. What the ultimate babyface comeback? The Rock saves yeah. the WWE and buys it from 
from the crazy Vince McMahon. Oh boy. All right. So that's all your wrestling uh, top headlines. Again, you can check it all out on WrestlingInc.com. Before we get into AEW Dynamite, I want to give a little love to our wonderful friends at Manscaped. And uh, hey, cheers to all of you. It's 2022. And make your resolutions. Hopefully, you can keep them. And how about for one of your resolutions, how about having a clean and shiny balls? How about that? That'd be good. All year round. Not just once. All year round. All the way into 23. Our wonderful sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And, of course, we got a great offer for you, saving 20%, plus getting free shipping at manscaped.com for, for all the products you want to purchase by using the code you can see there on your screen if you're watching, W-I-N-C-20, 4 million men worldwide, two of them sitting right here. Both can tell you with smiles on our faces and an honest eye that it is a wonderful line of products. New year, new me with the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0, this electric trimmer designed to trim hair and lose trim hair on the loose skin advanced skin safe technology reducing those cuts and nicks on your delicates and also is equipped with the 4000k led spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land that 2022 looks to be grooming routine isn't complete without applying the crop preserver and crop reviver before showing off your 2022 self these unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence into the new year talking about scent don't forget about the wonderful body wash and shampoo and conditioner that they can throw in the shower for you that's going to give you that confidence that you need the complete manscape set has all that plus the travel bag anti-chafing boxer briefs the shirt all that and much much more again the holidays may have passed and may be done with the gifting but now gift it to yourself for 2022 manscape uh, kick the discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job and i can definitely attest i love it i love my manscape products i was traveling last week i had the products i had the shaving kit and bag made sure to stay with it got back home uh, this past week back here in pittsburgh again got to keep the routine 2022 got to keep the routine i love all my tools whether it is the lawnmower whether it is the uh, the, the the nail clippings the, the, to keep yourself going there the body wash the cologne the boxers the t-shirt it's all there, Alfred. WINC20, save 20% plus free shipping at manscaped.com. It's the way to go. It is. I, too, traveled last week to Utah to do stand-up. Had a lot of fun at the Electric Comedy Festival, and I, too, traveled with Manscaped. In fact, one of my 2022 New Year's resolutions, 365 days clean-shaven. 365, not one hair in 2022. No excuses. There you go. So cheers to new balls in 2022. We thank manscaped.com. For their wonderful continued support that we've had, and they're told us they're carrying it through in, in, into 2022. We're loving it. Love Manscaped. Really appreciate it. We hope you guys will try it out as well if you have not. I mean, again, fellas, ladies will appreciate it. They will appreciate it. It's it's it's, it's oh, we're yeah. giving you simple tools here. You know, just 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 we do can have little. some testimonials if you want, but Manscaped might have to up the price. We can have some testimonials uh, from my life. <laughs> <laughs> we could. You're right. We- <laughs> We could. We'll, we'll, we'll just right now just take our word for take it. Take our word for it, please. Just, just take our word for it right now. Okay. Let's get into Dynamite. Coming to you from Newark, New Jersey, the AEW Dynamite on TBS. That's right. TBS back in the wrestling game. Pretty cool to see. And we are going to start out with the big title match of Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. Hangman 13 1 and 1. Brian 13 0 2. And of course, we're going to have three judges. 
we all been speculating. I said maybe a Ric Flair could be a judge. I've seen Ricky Steamboat as a speculation because he's known for the Broadway. I've seen all kinds of different spec. William Regal could show up in New York, New Jersey and get the red eye flight and he can judge. None of that happened. None of that happened. Uh, your three judges are Jerry Lynn, Paul White, and Mark Henry. Uh, I mean, look, all three of these guys in, in their own way have uh, credibility of their careers. I mean, obviously, two of them are Hall of Famers. I think we all did work ourselves up a little bit of like the, the judges were going to be a bigger component of this than they were. They were they were the named and they were cut away and shown two times in the in the match. So this this one kind of got me off to a weird start as I was thinking something completely different. And uh, just not just keeping it simple, Alfred, of uh, who are some veterans they have right there under the roof already. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of when WWE knew they were going to have AJ Styles and Chris Jericho feud at WrestleMania. So they came up with this makeshift tag team T-shirt, the Y2AJ T-shirt. That was just a cheap shirt that they were going to rip up. They're not going to sell it. They didn't put any thought into it. So this is kind of that same alley where they're not really going to build up these judges because at the end of the day, they know they're not going to need them. So they're going to have them there to just kind of present them, people who are already under AEW contract. So, and the thing is, Max Caster went on Twitter and said he was going to be a judge. So I guess he was just uh, trolling because a lot of people ran with that, that he was going to be one of the three judges. But uh, who knows what happened there? But I, I thought it was good that they did this uh, stipulation to make people think that potentially it could be going longer than it did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you know, nice little wrinkle. Have the judges there in case. Um, so we get going here. Uh, <laughs> Jim Ross also comically notes how fitting that the referee for this first match on TBS is the name Paul Turner. So we have yeah. a ref named Turner. So <laughs> little JR quip. Uh, this match gets bloody. Uh, Hangman Page, uh, he gets he gets busted open. It's his blood at first that is spreading on both him and Brian. But then after uh, just a you know cavalcade of, of headbutts and galore, Brian Danielson is busted open. He's bloodied even more than Pages. This is a bloody, bloody mess. Uh, even at one point, Page is doing jumping jacks as they cut away to commercial, as they had to do several times. Uh, this match, really entertaining, very good psychology. Did not go the distance, uh, but did go probably about almost a solid half hour. And in the end, though, Hang uh, Hangman Adam Page does win when he hits the buckshot lariat. So he does serve up Brian Danielson's first actual loss in AEW uh did this live up to what it was supposed to for the rematch I believe it did I thought this was better than the original I very much enjoyed this I know some people might be turned off by the blood and guts of AEW but this was I think a perfect use of that a very TBS era WCW where they would have those clash of the champions pay-per-views with Ric Flair who had countless main events there so I thought this was really good I love the story of Hangman Adam Page just needs to hit that one buckshot lariat and whether it was Brian Danielson moving out of the way or just being too tired and losing so much blood uh, and then calling back to the spot of the jumping jacks uh, I, I thought this was really good and uh, I'm glad it didn't go even up to 50 minutes let alone you know 45 minutes I thought this was a perfect length and when he hit that buckshot lariat because of the story they told I knew it was over so I thought it was good yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, this was my favorite of the, of the matches they've had, and, and you're right. Um, you know, leading up to the buckshot Larry that did win, you're right. There was a point where Brian had so much blood loss going on that he literally just collapsed, or so it seemed, uh, when when Page is in in mid flight to go hit that Larry. So, yeah, again, back to what I said, psychology was there. This is a good match. Um, I, yeah, I think the best one. So it's nice that this rematch did in fact top uh, their previous match. So. Uh, Page wins. Uh, you got to think this is it for Brian Dennison. He's going to move on to something else, uh, and, and a new uh, world title challenger uh, would need to be you know, coming up in line here sooner than later for uh, Hangman Page. So that'll certainly be something big to watch as we uh, move here at the start of 2022. 
Up next, uh, arguably maybe the most entertaining sequence of events that's going to happen in this show, uh, which is, you know, it, normally, when, again, when you're second on any kind of wrestling show, second is, is kind of a doomsday spot to be in. Uh, but this, again, this one kind of took took the cake for me. So MJF is a uh, build to go up in a match against Captain Sean Dean. Now, Sean Dean, uh, he's a regular in AEW, also works in the office, but, you know, he is just be real here uh, uh you know, he's enhancement talent uh use for them so you know the the, the gimmick here is mjf needs to rack up some wins because he wants to get to that world title he wants to he wants titles you know he wants the world title he's gonna have ward logo win the the the, the, the tnt title and hand it over to him he wants titles he doesn't want to deal with cm punk he wants titles he wants to rack up some wins so mjf for sean dean so this should be a squash mjf match you would think as soon as the match gets going, CM Punk runs out to the ring, Alfred, which then, of course, causes MJF to run out of the ring because he doesn't want no part of uh, Punk. Punk then turns, hits the GTS on Sean Dean, which causes a disqualification. Hallelujah! There's a disqualification in AEW on account of Punk running in and hitting the GTS. That disqualification causes a loss to MJF. Sean Dean gets the win because he was attacked, so MJF suffers a loss uh in AEW. So there's the first part of it. I thought this was while the DQ's funny because of, of AEW rules or lack thereof, I thought this was still pretty damn brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's two rarities. Not only MJF losing, but also the disqualification with AEW. Hopefully Sean Dean doesn't appear in a tweet from Tony Khan at the end of the month about all the black people who won and he stays away from that. <laughs> but at the same time I thought this was very well done in terms of the story they're telling with MJF and CM Punk, even dating back to MJF continuing to run from Phil. So I thought he got <laughs> off to a good start here. Tony Khan sends a big tweet to Big Swole going, see, look who got a win. <laughs> you want representation? <laughs> representation, these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Captain Sean Dean's done his bit. He's he He's won his match. So now it's time for the war of words on the mic. <clears throat> um, Punk says, look, this is going to happen every time. I'm going to come in and I'm going to ruin your matches every time until you stop being a bitch and you just man up and face me. MJF says, look, I make you relevant, Punk. You're not the big, you're, you sold Tony Khan on this big, big deal. You coming back. You're nothing. You know, you're that. That's not true. I, I make you relevant. Um, and we talk, and MJF says, you know, it seems like I really struck a nerve when I talked about me being as good as Piper in Portland and the Piper thing really struck a nerve. He says Piper at least was talented enough to main event a WrestleMania. MJF name drops WrestleMania. That gets a huge uh, mic drop reaction from the crowd. Yeah, we are in Jersey, so they're in Jersey, but I'm sure some Long Islanders made the trip. So it is not a uh, uh, it is a little, a little home field advantage for MJF in some respects. So that gets some reaction. Also calls on PG Punk. That gets a PG Punk chant going, which MJF then tries to shut down as he realizes the crowd's not playing along the way they're supposed to be. Uh, Punk says, you keep talking about leaving and, and WrestleManias. Go ahead and leave. Main event night four of a buy one, get one special. Come on back here, and I'll kick your ass when you return. That got a pretty big reaction. And then MJF says, okay, next week, Punk, it's you versus Wardlow. Alfred, what do you think? I think this is brilliant. I think we need to appreciate MJF as a heel of our generation if we didn't already, only because he's doing something that we don't see in this modern day era of wrestling in 
simultaneously building towards two huge pay-per-view matches where I think they could happen out of order. I think they can, it doesn't matter. I really think whether it's MJF versus Warlord or MJF versus Punk, these are two very long bills to two very money AEW matches. If you look at maybe the five to 10 money matches that AEW has right now, MJF is in at least two of them and it's happening at the same time. So I think that him pulling this off and pulling in his tensions with Wardlow by throwing him under the bus again while holding off another big match at CM Punk is something to behold in wrestling. Uh, having said that, I was, this does feel as good as it is. It does feel like a, a build to WrestleMania, given the WrestleMania references were in January and they can't, like, this is one of those things that kind of bothers me with WWE where once they get something that gets over that's really funny, but kind of like a one-night thing, it'll return over and over and they'll just hammer it into the ground. And I hope we're not on the way with that, with these WrestleMania references, but they were two very well-placed references. And I love that burn that CM Punk's not getting about WWE to see his thoughts on the current product. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think even AEW, did you see the tweet they put out when um, they tweeted out a, a clip of Brian Danielson making his entrance and they said, what a regal walk to the <laughs> yeah, ring you know, regal um they're on it they, they, they're not going to shy away uh yeah you you bring up a great point you're right mjf's got two big pay-per-view payoff matches and then you're right they are simultaneously building which is great you know my prediction next week i'm, I'm going to predict next week uh you know we're going to get a a good competitive match with Wardlow and punk punk's going to win but Wardlow's going to test them to the point of i think as the match is over punk's going to Try to offer the little baby face handshake, add a boy, slap on the ass, whatever. Wardlow's gonna hesitate, but he's gonna kind of take it. And that's gonna I that's gonna infuriate MJF. And whether we get the Wardlow MJF first, or and I think this makes more sense, we get the MJF versus Punk first, and Wardlow saying, Go do it on your own. I'm outie. That's right, but I think I think next week could be big, and, and it's great that we have again two big payoff matches, to, as you said, to build toward. That says a lot about MJF's value right now. Yeah, I think another way you could do this with Wardlow because now I've got the juices flowing with how this match could go. I don't know if CM Punk would be this generous, but because they're telling the story of Wardlow power bombing people into oblivion, and you know him and Spears, maybe they could do a thing where he has CM Punk beat to rights, and there's a disagreement with Sean Spears that causes him to get beat. I mean, I don't know if you want to do that with a top babyface like Punk, but I feel like that would be huge for Wardlow because if he's going to lose another big match, at least give us a visual of he had this match won until Sean Spears uh, screwed it up for him. Uh, Spears, or or what if Wardlow has everything in hand and MJF comes out to get the, to sure. get the cheap, to do the cheap shots, to get the cheap shots on Punk, causing the DQ and Wardlow to lose, and then obviously that, that could just just, you know, Put the big man in the rage. So yeah, a lot of potential. It's just, this is great. A lot, a lot of, a lot of moving chess pieces uh, that we will be looking forward to talking about next week um, from Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, I believe, is where they will be next week for Dynamite. So, uh, yeah, this this was huge. But again, the the references really got people buzzing uh, between MJF and CM Punk. All right, Chris Jericho makes his return after being off TV. Well, well, we saw him. We did see him last week come out and obviously chase off 2.0, but he's back. Got a mic. He smacks talk to uh, smack talks uh, 2.0. Uh, Daniel Garcia is going to come out from the crowd. Uh, him, him versus him and 2.0, all three on one, uh, beating up Jericho. And then here comes Santana Ortiz and Kingston to chase them off. That's going to, of course, be teasing a big rampage six man tag match coming up this Friday night. Uh, Jericho, you know, nice to see Jericho was on such the top of the card for so much of, uh, the first year of dynamite. It's nice to see him working, 
uh, now a little bit in the mid card here, trying to give uh, a rub to some guys who really could use it, especially 2.0 coming in. Yeah, and especially 2.0 because I think they have great chemistry with Chris Jericho. Chris, Chris Jericho is one of the great talkers in history, and he's very great with wrestling comedy. He's, he's in top five probably both, but – I think that it enhances his character when he has somebody to play off with. And there's just certain people like a Kevin Owens that he has this electric chemistry with. And I think with 2.0, he has something similar that they were doing this kind of wacky Terrence and Phillip bit that maybe in different hands would be a little silly, but I thought they were all very funny doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where this is going to go. You know, um, again, we're getting Daniel Garcia in 2.0 versus Santana Ortiz and Kingston this Friday. Obviously, you still need to eventually get to a payoff of Jericho, but they also last week teased uh, some issues with Kingston and Jericho. Kingston, you know, and some pride of like, I don't, I don't need you out here helping us or defending us. So, um, yeah, I'd be curious to see what what the what the end game here is of what Jericho's ultimately going to do uh, to help out. So, watching that, we get a backstage promo with Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, and Cole says them plus the Young Bucks are unstoppable, and uh, Cole makes a challenge. To Jake Atlas, who is a newly signed uh, acquisition for AEW, who we saw on Dark, I believe. Uh, so it's going to be Cole versus Jake Atlas. And Cole saying, Jake Atlas, I'm here to remind you that just because you're here, I'm still Adam Cole. I run I run this. I'll beat you. Then I'll get you a one-way ticket back to Orlando. Some more shots at the WWE and NXT. Piling uh, on. And that's, that's coming up this Friday. Adam Cole versus Jake Atlas in an AEW ring, not an NXT ring. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun because Jake Atlas looked very good in his dark debut and there were issues with him on the WWE NXT roster and now he's mentally right and he's going to get more freedom to wrestle the way he did in PWG, which is how he got signed. And I think it's going to be a really good match. Yeah, very good match. So if you uh, tune in to Rampage, certainly uh, check that out. Okay, back to Wardlow. We get his 39-6 and record coming to the ring against Antonio Zambrano. Uh, this one, again, before the match even starts, Zambrano kind of gets out of the ring a little little fearful maybe of Wardlow as Wardlow's being checked out by the ref you know just the old-fashioned you know pat down I guess uh Sean Spears delivers a Death Valley driver on the outside of Zambrano uh and then rolls him in the ring well now Wardlow's like what are you doing dude but Wardlow's gonna go ahead and take the uh beaten Zambrano he's gonna proceed to do I think five power bombs uh much to Spears dislike Spears just wanted wanted him to pin Zambrano be done with it Wardlow's not going to have that. He's going to give the crowd what they want, which is the Powerbomb Symphony. So, again, another win. 40th win for Wardlow. More problems uh, with he and Spears, and, of course, deflecting more separation between he and the rest of the group led by MJF. So, yeah, again, make it a point to have MJF out there. Make it a point later to have Wardlow and another squash. Uh, we are certainly building to a, a, a crash that's going to come ahead, again, probably next week, uh, which is really exciting and good storytelling by AEW. They have so many talents, Alfred. It's very easy for them to... You know, it'd be very easy for them to 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 lose focus on what needs to take priority of being on the A show that is dynamite. But I'm glad they're making a point to you know keep these players uh, front and center and, and and realizing some things can just you know problems with Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch can go to to dark and and right. you know yeah, and this is very good storytelling. I, I I really do agree with that that they're doing a good job really. And you know, MJF is one of those guys who I don't think gets lost too much in the shuffle. Uh, he's generally keeps himself in the mix. And I think a key to that is that he doesn't wrestle a lot on TV. So that's more time that he can just kind of, he really focuses on one thing and then he wrestles when he needs to. And when the check is there and it's a very old school mentality. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got Matthew uh, five Canadian says, do you guys want to see Chris Jericho re-signed with AEW 
or go back to WWE to retire. Uh, I mean, I, I, me personally, I, you know, keep him in AEW. There's a lot more he can do, even if he's not wrestling as much, you know, commentary and just being just a general ambassador of, of credibility. I mean, if he goes to WWE, what's he going to do? He's going to go do a Hall of Fame speech and that'd be that. Yeah, I will say this. I think AEW might be the place to be and where to go, but I I would think it would be a cool moment if they were somehow able to hide where Jericho is going and he showed up in the Royal Rumble, whether it was, you know, obviously not this year, but in a future Royal Rumble, that pop that Chris Jericho is back at WWE. I, I think that's all I would want to see because you're right. Maybe after that, WWE wouldn't treat him the way he should be treated as an older guy on the decline, but I think that'd be a pretty cool moment. Yeah, well, and I'll, and I'll be, let me put the record here. I think uh, Jericho sticks with AEW for the time being. Before he's dead, he will be on a WWE Hall of Fame stage. Yes. At one point, he will be. Even if, well, even if, and this again, now we're, we're really forecasting to future. Even if WWE gets to a point one day where Vince is not in charge. So if that means that they get bought by an MB, they get bought by somebody, you know, but still keep a Hall of Fame alive. And even get to the point of being like, you know what, Chris Jericho needs to go in the Hall of Fame, even though he's still an AEW talent and an AEW. I think Tony Khan would actually let Chris Jericho oh, go 100%. to a Hall of Fame. You know, he, I don't. You know, he let him do the 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 Austin oh, cool. podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, one way or the other, Jericho will eventually be in the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, at we'll some give point, him like so. five minutes to talk. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I think him staying with AEW right now, it's uh, a lot more, a lot, lot more fresh possibilities for him Definitely. to do things there. You know, and it makes you wonder, again, we, we do this every time talent are cut, but let's look at the office it's cut. You know, I got to imagine everybody probably walked up to Tony, you know, Jericho or anybody that's ever, you know, you know I, I watched Jericho fight William Regal at WrestleMania 17 in Houston live. There's a lot of guys that are there at AEW that have history with, with, with William Regal. I got to imagine so many of them walked up to Tony Khan and said, you have to hire this guy. This guy could do a lot for our culture, for our knowledge, for our backs, everything, um, our scouting you know, and, and who else does Billy Gunn walk up to Tony Khan and say, Hey, can you get road dog here? He could be a great producer and help things out. You know, I mean, and again, maybe it's part of the, is this part of the strategy for WWE as Vince kind of joked about make them hire everybody, but it's some, but I mean, these are all like sound investments that are only going to help. You know, I don't know. It's absolutely. These are the hires. I think that Tony Khan should be prioritizing in terms of former WWE hires because you wouldn't necessarily see them on the TV. And I think the changes that they can bring would be what AEW needs. Because one of the things Big Swole said that I absolutely agree is that AEW does suffer at times from a lack of structure. You can sometimes see it from segment to segment. I think it is cool. And one of their big talking points is, oh, we don't do scripted promos. And that's good. And that's old school pro wrestling, man. And wrestling promos at their best are extensions of these wrestlers. But at the same time, to do a completely unscripted show like that can get away from it. And having these WWE producers and somebody especially like William Regal, who I think Tony Khan knows better than anybody, the value William Regal can bring to AEW. And now with da Brian Danielson there, that's going to be one of his biggest proponents in bringing him in. So I think these are good changes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I think a quality control person just oversee could help. And we know QT Marshall is this big. He he helps write the shows a lot with Tony. But again, he's, he's not a William Regal. So, you know, and look, Tony Khan, I mean, Tony's, uh, how old is Tony? I think Tony's... He's 39. Yeah, I mean, so he's still a very young guy. You can reason with him. You can say, look, you know, he probably could take criticism a lot more than what Vince, Vince, you know, nobody's going to tell Vince to change anything. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, Jen and Ness, uh, $1.99, Jen is asking, do guys like Regal and Road Dog have 90 days? 
it's hard to it's hard to say because WWE WWE is so customized in their contracts. They can literally I mean they could they could tell you we're going to release you and you can't wear the color red for the next four weeks because reds are color. They can do so much with how they control these contracts. But I Regal and Road Dog were both classified as employees. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they don't still tell them you can't have you can't work somewhere else. I mean, non competes can still happen to employees. But it seems like WWE's office people have been not as subject to this. So they haven't been as subject to, you know, like if Road Dog was wrestling while he was producing, which he hasn't been in years, he might have a clause that says you can't wrestle anywhere. But because he's just been office and same with Regal, I'd have to suspect that it's not maybe the, the same 90 days. Um, yeah. So, you know, absolutely. Then that's the key is the difference between the talent and the employee. If these are employees, I'd be shocked if there's a 90 day clause. But then again, like you said, this is WWE who throws all kinds of crazy stuff yeah. in their contracts. Well, but Regal also, because he was an on screen character, he might still be yeah. classified as a talent. So, but then again, we've also seen if you're in the NXT ranks, 30 days sometimes, you know, so it's hard to say, Jenna, um, what each of the situation is. But I, I would be, especially more with Road Dog. I'd be led to believe that he probably does not have to say 90 days. He probably has um, a little bit more freedom, you know, than than if, than your, you know, your other talents, uh, your other wrestlers, rather, that would be released. Uh, Matthew Tech, Matthew back at it with another five. He says, if you guys, if you let guys like William Regal and possibly HBK in the near future go, who's Vince and WWE looking to help build? that next generation of future stars. Well, that's just it. I, I, I you know, as, as Alfred and I were talking about earlier, you know, they, they don't seem like, I mean, they seem to have some process in their head of, we are going to build future. St- we're gonna, we were just building athletes. We don't need to scour the Indies and find somebody who can, who already is trained to wrestle. We need to find bodies, images, and personalities We'll teach them the collar and elbow tie-ups and all after that. Um, you know who that is. I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. I guess we'd have to still. I mean, I guess Matt Bloom's still there. Um, there's other trainers that are still there. I guess it's a matter of who's there they trust and who's there they trust that is going to be on board with their philosophy. Um, we joked about it earlier. I think Alfred said if they cut like a Charles Michaels, what a middle finger that would be to Triple H. I, because Sean is one of the greatest that WWE's ever had. I have a hard time. No disrespect to William Regal. William Regal never aspired to be what Shawn Michaels was to them as a performer. I have a hard time seeing them ever cut Shawn Michaels. You know, ever like cut him loose. He's always going to be an ambassador and a Hall of Famer. That's part of their family. I'd have a hard time with them ever like just completely. Um, but then again, <laughs> I guess you know. Yeah, anything anything's possible. Anything. Every three months, man. What did Vince used to growl in like nineteen eighty four? Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, and boy, can they ever. Like, that's literally, nobody is safe. Not even these new signings, because there's now all these reports that WWE, it's not going to be like what it was in the past, where you go to the PC for years before they even know what to do with you. It's going to be like 60-day trial period. So nobody's job is safe, whether you're from the old regime or a new regime. And it's a very wild time in WWE. Yeah, I mean, unless you're Rowan Reigns or John Cena, sure. I mean, there's a very select class of, like, security at this point all right uh it's time for the tbs championship the inaugural tbs title the finals to this tournament's been going on for a couple months it's time to crown a winner uh the 10 and 2 ruby soho up against the 22 and 0 jade cargo this by far cargo's longest tv match that i can document and remember Uh, a little bit of shenanigans are happening outside of this uh mercedes martinez who made her AEW debut recently. She comes out to start to harass Ruby Soho. 
Thunder Rosa quickly chases her off. At one point, smart Mark Sterling, he gets up on the apron uh, just for being a nuisance. <laughs> Aubrey Edwards throws him out. Uh, the whole match, Ruby is selling her left shoulder. That's the problem that she's dealing with. Uh, very split crowd. We're hearing the let's go Ruby, let's go Jay chant. So crowd very much split here. Uh, Jay Cargo, again, physically just looks the part. Uh, did look like Alfred, she was getting a little blown up. Looks like that looks like you know, the cardio and endurance of, of a match of this length and this 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 hardship was, you know, was something new to her. But to her credit, she gets through it and ends on a big avalanche slam from the top, which is going to give her the win. Jade Cargill is your first ever TBS champion, and her daughter, as they showed several times sitting ringside, uh, looked to be about you know, five, six, seven years old, uh, obviously cheering on mom. So a really really cool moment here. Alfred, uh, you and I have been gushing over Jade. We kind of thought that she was probably the the best choice. You know, I made a case that Ruby and Tony's a big fan of Ruby. Maybe, you know, there's a chance there. But I think especially, again, if Jade wasn't the choice all along, if this was still up to a coin toss on the day of, after the controversy with the big swole stuff and (laughs) diversity, I got to think that's the, okay, we're going with Jade. That right, might have put them right? over. I mean, you, you can't help but think that in the climate, in the but I would have never thought that we'd see the segment with Sean Dean if there was such a big deal. I did feel on day one of this uh, tournament, I was with you, and I said, this is the belt they're making for Jade Cargill. So I felt this way for a while. I felt like she was going to win. But yeah, this did seem like a 50-50 thing. I could see Ruby Soho winning this, and maybe it was that this put it over the top that we got to do a little damage control and have uh, Jade Cargill win. But Jade Cargill has just as much potential as anybody to be a mainstream star in AEW, so I think it was a smart choice from that standpoint. And whether she can or cannot go a 10-15 minute, because I don't, she's obviously not at the point where she can go on these long matches without getting exposed to some degree, but even when she learns how to work that long type of a match, I think her strength is going to be in these quick matches, because you see a guy like Wardlow, who I've seen him work 10 to 15 matches, no problem. But he's never been more over than when he's doing these quick power bomb, accentuated strengths. And occasionally, yes, you build up to a big, long match. But I think most of Jade Cargill's matches should be of the shorter variety, uh, as opposed to the longer matches I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I referenced earlier, Tony Khan makes a reference to Jade Cargill and uh, drawing similarities to Goldberg's run. You know, yeah. sometimes less is more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under promise, over deliver. Right, uh, but no. Congrats to Jade, and um, you know we'll uh, again twenty twenty two. We'll be watching the Jade Cargo uh, brand, uh, as we oh, say. Yeah. Uh, jumping ahead, though, uh, Ruby Soho is backstage a little bit later with Tony Schiavone and Britt, and her her crew quickly harasses Ruby. Ruby says, "You can't win a match without the help of your uh, of your crew here." And then Britt attacks her, and then Riho comes in. This all quick little. Uh, reminder that Saturday's Battle of the Belts in uh, Charlotte, I believe, will be Britt up against Riho, who she's never beat before. So I'll uh, take a look there at that AEW Women's Championship. All right, up next, we get Malachi Black, 7-1 and record up against Brian Pillman Jr. with Julia Hart. Of course, there's a history here. Black's done the – he spit the mist into Julia. He, of course, knocked out Griff Garrison. He's got the kick to Pillman. Uh, this one's a competitive one. This one goes with a commercial break even. Uh, this is going to come to an end, though, when Pillman looked like he actually legitimately slips and trying to hit the air Pillman springboard, uh, but they make it look flawless that it was all part of the deal. He slips, falls, stands back up, and then Black hits him with that roundhouse kick, knocking him out. He gets the pin and the win, does Malachi Black. Then after the match, Alfred, uh, he starts to stalk Julia Hart. Then 
uh, the Lucha Brothers start to come out, and the commentary is saying, hey, look, they, they have a stake in this game because they've seen what Black has been able to do to pack their old buddy. Lights go out. This is where you felt that tension from the crowd that we're going to see uh, somebody come in a line with uh, Malachi Black. So we talked about a few weeks ago, probably Brody King is the heavy, heavy favorite of, of speculation. But that doesn't happen. Lights come back on, and all that's happened is the Lucha Brothers and Malachi Black have swapped. Uh, Blue Brothers down the ring, Malachi Black's on the ramp. So uh, it's a little teasing and teleportation here by Malachi yeah. Black. Uh, what was your takeaway from this? I thought this was weird because they still got an entrance. I thought this was their way of getting the Lucha Brothers into the ring so that they can have okay. more ring But then they do all this things, and then they give them an entrance. It's like, why did you go to the back? Just so you can run it back in the ring. Uh, okay, thank you. Sorry. So real quick. Uh, so Malachi Black, you know, he's he's going to have somebody with him eventually, but you know, it looks like he's just he's on a roll here. All right. right. So let's let's jump ahead. You're right. Lucha Brothers are out there, and then they they, they go to commercial and say, "Coming up next, the Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express for the tag titles." So you figure, yeah. I mean, you know, they just stay out there. But then we come back from break. Lucha Jurassic Express comes out, and then the Lucha Brothers come back out. <laughs> it was really weird. I can only imagine what it looked like to the live crowd. The Lucha Brothers just ran back to the back. And, right, I don't know. Right. <laughs> this but was I, weird. I, yeah, weird yeah it, was, it was very weird how they how they did this all. Um, because like, I felt like it took up more time. But I, I thought it was a fine match. Again, this is another I thought went too long. I didn't expect uh, Pillman to get as much offense as he did, which is good. He's an up and coming babyface, and he's got to rub elbows with a lot of the top tier stars in AEW. But I felt like this was going to be another one of those squash matches. Malachi Black is another guy where this guy could go an hour if he wanted to. He's one of the best workers in the world. But this character that he's cultivated is at its best when it's just a killer. And I feel like the more he sells, and this is how he was with Aleister Black, is a lot of the live correspondence reports when they were doing the NXT house shows whenever this guy would sell the crowd would completely die on the match and i felt like they did cool off the more he was selling for a pillman yeah i mean black is uh i love the intensity uh, i have um i can remember talking to people that worked with him in nxt that were like he's a good guy intense character alistair black cool character cool entrance he's a little stiff <laughs> <laughs> you know like get the hands up because he's gonna hit you um yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Black obviously again, he, he's gonna have a big twenty twenty two here. He's uh gonna have a group around him. You know, we got Brody King's the high speculation. Certainly, he would draw, you know, the type to a Wyndham Rotunda if if when if Wyndham Rotunda is to be cast in the same same vein as he's he's been in WWE. So we'll take a look and see. But yeah, then we transition the weird weird entrances or duplicate entrances. Uh, but we get this uh, tag match for the tag title. This is your main event. Um, this look, this match, it, it, it's not a bad again, it's all in your taste. And the, the AEW crowd probably, I thought this match at times got a little too choreographed, there was a little bit too much. Let me wait, wait, wait for you, you, my opponent, to get here so we can do this flip a do. I, you know, not always my cup of tea. I'm gonna get hammered by I'm, I'm, the comments are gonna be lit up that I'm an AEW hater. Even though Monday I was a WWE hater, so I guess I hate everything. Um, but I, I, this was a little. Eh. But overall, um, Jurassic Express is going to end up winning this match. Uh, Jungle Boy actually reverses one of Penta's attempts for a, a, a package driver. He rolls him up. Uh, so Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus—they are your tag champs. They stand tall. Kind of an awkward ending. They bring out some tag teams on the stage. They're all kind of like eyeballing them. They show Jericho sitting by himself in the crowd. They show Malachi Black sitting by himself in the crowd. 
Santana and Ortiz. Um, not the not the most not the highest of ends in my opinion for a show, especially if a show is supposed to kick off the TBS era. It's title change, but um, so that's that. One note I want to get real quick before we jump in, and it's the, the, the video is spreading like wildfire as I'm sitting here looking at Twitter, and I saw it live. Mm-hmm. One of the big spots, Luchasaurus choke slams Ray Phoenix from the apron in onto a table. <clears throat> Not a DQ, by the way. <laughs> GTS, <laughs> GTS is a DQ. That's not a DQ. You samples. Choke slams Ray Phoenix on a table. <clears throat> Phoenix is going down on his back into the table. Mm. He takes his left arm and he tries to almost like stop himself a little bit, break the fall, and put his arm out. And his elbow and arm bend in Ooh, a disgusting God, way. Did you just oh, see it? No. Disgusting. It's a broken oh, arm. Oh, never watching that again. It, oh. it, 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 it's akin to. Sid Vicious jumping off the rope in WCW. It's ugly. So hopefully, well, Ray Phoenix is not okay. He's got a broken arm. I, I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I hope overall that's it and he's okay. That's That happens. But uh, so that, uh, Jurassic Express, your new tag champs. That's how we go off the air. Uh, not the best main event in my mind, honestly. No, it felt like they ran short. Uh, you could just see they did that nice tight shot of Jungle Boy after he won this match, and he didn't look too pleased. And, I mean, this this was very awkward in the way it ended. And I think whether it was Ray Phoenix's injury that they had to go home from or there's a lot of people speculating that Brody King was supposed to debut. I don't know how much truth there is to that. And then they had to, you know, rush off or something. But there might be some truth to that just based on how awkwardly this ended because they still had time and I felt like they were stalling because when they showed Jericho, he, he didn't even know he was on camera. Um, but, God, I, I just saw that Ray Phoenix injury. It is brutal. I would not – I'm pretty squeamish when it comes to stuff like that. And I would not recommend watching if you are squeamish, but uh, that sucks because, again, one of my favorites, and he has struggled with injuries, so now it looks like we're not going to be seeing Ray Phoenix maybe for most of 2022. Yeah. Well, the reason I shot down this whole Brody, I don't like, I don't understand, because, like, again, <clears throat> if the idea, excuse me, if the idea was, like, all these teams come to the stage and then lights out and then here comes Malachi Black with a new partner, I would get that. But Malachi Black was obviously seated several levels up in this arena as was several other towns jericho santana ortiz whatever so it's like black would be at standby if that was if, if they had to call an audible and say we're not doing this because phoenix would like no he clearly was you know elevated up and gotten taken to an area to be so like i don't see how in, in any way how there would have been that debut um with the brody King, I, I don't know, but uh, I will say this though, I, and I, I thought myself thought to myself, they're making a big deal. Now we have this babyface tag team. They make this big deal of having the tag teams parade out of the stage. All these now challengers, potential challengers. Matt Hardy was out there with the um, uh, Mark uh, Private Party. Thank you. I was going to say Street Profits. <laughs> <He's out there. laughs> Close enough. He's out there with Private Party. He's out there with Street Profits 2.0. And, yeah. uh, and, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're in Raleigh next week. Oh, wouldn't this be a great time for Matt and Jeff Hardy to reunite? Uh, again, I don't think I don't know what Jeff's non-competes are, but I was like thinking to myself, like, oh, wouldn't that be a great little, uh, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. so, so yeah. to speak, we have a new we have new tag champs, babyface tag champs. And that was your AEW Dynamite. So, and again, you know, I mean, good for good for them. But this this whole main event didn't didn't really. I, again, I would have rather. I know it kind of kills the whole. Are they going to go a full hour vibe? 
I, I don't know. I would have rather the, the world title match gone last. I know you can't do it because if it doesn't go on until 930, you know it's not going to go the full hour. I don't know. I just... Right. Yeah, this was a disaster of a main event. I will say my exact words about this on Twitter was that I liked the second half of the main event because I completely agree with you about the first half. It was painfully coordinated where it's like, even Jim Ross started getting tested. He's like, two of these guys got to get out of the ring. And I think that was Jim Ross just kind of under his breath saying like, come on, let's actually do wrestling here. Because it was, I mean, it was it's like fake. It's for people who like watching wrestling and trying to point out when it was fake, which aren't the crowd that it draws. This is, they would have a field day with a match like that. But um yeah, I just thought between that injury and between just the awkward ending, I didn't think this was their greatest main event for a first show of the year. It did not send us off with a bang. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I did catch it. He, you know, I think Bryce was the referee. He's like, get somebody out of, you know, I mean, it's like, and again, you know, Aubrey's the best ref they have. I'll, I'll say that all damn day. Aubrey's the best ref they have. And part of this is what they're instructed to do. You know, the ref distractions are terrible, you know, in terms of, oh, the ref was checking Wardlow this whole time. Like they don't ever yeah. do the checking thing. And then like the way they do, I don't know. It, it's bad. And yeah, but I mean, Br- Bryce continually looks either on his, either on him or, or the people in the ring with, he, he gets buried. I mean, like he doesn't look like he could officiate like the, the way that he loses control thing, like so easily. And again, it's just their rules, but like, I don't know. He looks like he couldn't officiate a bingo match. Yeah. It's just yeah. <laughs> terrible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Matthew again, the five. Who do you think is Tony Khan's latest rumor dream signing? Uh, Bray Wyatt or the Briscoe brothers? Who do you want to see more? Yeah, Matthew, we touched on that in the uh start of the show. We did some of the news headlines. I mean, yeah, you know, Wyndham Rotunda's a name that's out there, Johnny Gargano's a name that's out there. I, I mean, to me, I, I, I'm a, I'm a Wyndham fan. I'm a fan of thinking that he's so creative that if he was put in this situation where he's kind of completely handcuffed free to do whatever he could do, I, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, that, that you know, to me, I I, to, I love Johnny, but I kind of feel like there's a lot of Johnny wrestlings in AEW already. So yeah, it's gonna be Big Swole. Big Swole. <laughs> yeah, we're all being worked. Maybe it's Velveteen. No, maybe it's, it's Velveteen Dream. <laughs> oh it's a dream God. signing. Oh, you think you think they're coming for him now? <laughs> hey, they need diversity, Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you never know who it could be. I, I think Keith Lee would be the answer to this problem that he's having potentially, but we'll see. It'll, it is up to, we also discussed how it's up to Tony Khan's taste. So we have to consider it's his dream he's talking about. So, you know, a dream match for one wrestling fan is different from another. Oh, God. What's a dream for Tony Khan? Something ECW, maybe he signed, uh, maybe he stole Paul Heyman away from WWE. Hmm. Here's a pop quiz. Had New Jack not passed away, would Tony Khan have ever pulled the trigger of getting New Jack on AEW TV for even if a one-off? I mean, I think so. I'd like to think so. He got Nick Gage, and I think if he saw what Nick Gage and Jericho did, well, it was very popular with men. It really, really ran off the women, but it did very good numbers uh, with men in terms of AEW and their viewership on that show. I think the wheels could have turned, and we could have seen New Jack versus Nick Gage. The fact that we never got that is, I think, kind of a travesty. Yeah, I agree with you with that. I could... I could, and then I could see like a viral picture going of like New Jack and Tony Khan hanging out after the show or something like it. Would have been, yeah, I could see that. All right. Speculation continues. And guess what? Alfred and I will be back next Wednesday to indulge in that speculation and see where we advance to. Uh, a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, Wardlow and CM Punk. And as we progress in the Jade Cargo era now as TBS champ, a lot of things to look at. 
Uh, next week, they're in Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Again, as I mentioned, that's that's the closest home to Cameron, North Carolina for the Hardys. Does that mean anything, or am I just speculating? I don't know. A lot of things mm. to talk about here um, as we continue on with AEW Dynamite. Uh, Alfred, what's going on at Forbes? What do you got? What do you got going on? And plug the YouTube channel. You're trying to get the metrics up? Plug the YouTube channel. Yes, let's get those metrics up. YouTube Pro Wrestling Vintage has been great. It's a lot of fun there. Uh, also, of course, more coverage of this terrible story of NXT staffers being released. So I've got a story up there uh, on Forbes, and I'm sure more is going to come out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, unfortunately, this is the only beginning because I feel like we're going to get another wave right before the earnings report at the end of the month, but hopefully I'm wrong on that. Uh, but, you know, this is a new WWE that we're seeing, so... You know, it's very wild start to the year. Very wild. Very, I mean, what is NXT going to look like? What is NXT going to start to look like? I mean, what is it yeah. even? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so that's all of Alfred's uh, stuff going on with his YouTube and Forbes. Uh, again, you can check me out uh, here on Wrestling Inc. several times a week doing the podcast. I'm on Busted Open Friday morning with Dave LaGreca and Judge Mark Henry. Friday morning, we spar with LaBar. Again, it's on Sirius XM Radio Channel 156 or download the Sirius XM app. Listen to it on demand. Follow me at Justin Bar. All that good stuff. Thanks to all of you guys for the super chats. Thanks to all of you just chatting in general. We love seeing you guys. Uh, had the conversation with us every single week. If you're watching on YouTube, watch on Twitch. Thank you. If you're doing the audio podcast, thank you. If you're doing any of that, please tweet us. I love every week. How are you watching? How are you listening? What are you doing these days? How are we getting through your day? It's a great way to see how this podcast is helping you. In a time of craziness, we need to have some positivity. How can we be helping each other? Send me a tweet. I love to like those. Those are my favorite tweets to wake up to. For Alfred, I'm Justin. We'll be back next Wednesday for more news headlines and AEW Dynamite. Until then, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.